to travel and see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I loved hearing this morning, this isn't part of my message, but I loved hearing about the missions trip, about Jeremy and the whole team being in Kansas City uh, with a Nepalese church and a Bhutanese church and to be in other places and be able to worship with people from wherever and you realize you have something in common that it's not to do with cultures or languages or nations but that we get to seek first the kingdom of God and we get to be kingdom people this time last week I was preaching actually in my parents church an Anglican church called St. Mary's Parish Church Church of Ireland and again you get to connect with people who all have the same spirit The week before that, I was in the Free Methodist Church in Northern Ireland in a town called Bangor, which actually happens to be the town where I was born. And I got to preach there and again connect with these people. We're all of the same spirit. Uh, Meanwhile, Ivan was preaching in Vandalia at at Father's Day with a number of churches all coming together. And the week before that, he was in Hong Kong and got to preach there. And so we feel like we've, you know, we're all over the place in lots of ways. But whether we're in Centralia or Hong Kong or Bangor, Northern Ireland or Vandalia or Greenville or wherever, he is the same God. He loves us. He cares for us more than we could possibly imagine And we are as excited being here as Ivan was in Hong Kong or I was last week in Ireland because it's it's about coming to seek first the kingdom of God and getting to connect with him. So as I begin today, would you just bow in prayer with me? Lord, we thank you just for the gift of you. And even as we were singing about the communion of saints, We are that communion of saints this morning together. We thank you that we get to be the body of Christ. Lord, that it is not about a building, but it's about being the building, being the church. Father, I pray that you would encourage and speak to each person here this morning. We need to hear from you, Lord. It's your word that brings life. And so, Lord, we ask for that and we thank you in advance for speaking to us in Christ's name. Amen. Well, here we go. And here is the latest news. A 12-year-old boy who went missing in Chicago has just been found after a three-day search. The boy's parents had traveled from St. Louis to Chicago almost two weeks ago and had been staying in a hotel not far from the city center in Chicago. They were there with family and friends for a week-long festival which they attended religiously every year around this time. On Thursday afternoon, they set off back down the I-55 planning to stop off along the way and had presumed that their son was with some of his cousins or friends who had also been making the trip home. Somehow, they didn't realize that he was not with them until 24 hours later, 
At that point, panic set in, and they made the trip back up the I-55 in search of their missing child. It seems that no one had noticed that he was missing. They searched along Michigan Avenue. They went to parks, movie theaters, restaurants, museums, even the aquarium, but to no avail. Eventually, his mother walked into a church in search of some peace and some rest, and that is when she eyed her son sitting on the floor with some local Sunday school teachers. And there he was asking questions and answering questions. Our news reporter told us that when he interviewed her, she said, I don't know why he would treat us like this, but let's just say we are so relieved that we found him. He's the love of our lives. Neighbors of the St. Louis couple have told us that the young boy has been grounded for the rest of the summer. This is Kathy Philby reporting for KSDK Live. Well, I hope you know that I made that story up, that it didn't actually happen. It could be true, actually, these days, uh, because of the world that we live in, but that did not happen. But imagine if this had really happened, and we'd heard this news this morning on the way to church, how many of us would be sincerely rejoicing that that wee boy was found? Or how many of us would be saying, what on earth were those parents doing? Traveling all that way without their son? What kind of parents are they anyway? How many of us would be thinking, the mother said he's the love of our lives, and you didn't even notice he was missing after 24 hours? Who are you kidding? And then when the mother said, I don't know why he would treat us like this. Were you like me? thinking, what? How about how you were treating your son? You didn't even notice that he wasn't with you. Call in the social workers, I say. Sometimes we're really quick to judge, aren't we? We hear a little glimpse of something, we hear something, and we decide, we judge the situation because we don't have the full story. So maybe as we now go to the scripture... Let's keep that story in mind as we read this event that happened in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. And I believe it's going to be on the screen there behind you. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, While his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Imagine that. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, a whole day. That's mine. That's not in the scripture. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. 
When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? And Miss yeah, your mother, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. So this is a really unique story in our scriptures. Because it is the only glimpse into the boyhood of Jesus that we really get in all of the Bible. If you were to read what comes just before this, you would read about the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. I'm sure you know it very well. So here we are still in Luke chapter 2, but now he is 12 years old. And if we were to read what comes immediately after this scripture... Jesus suddenly is 30 years old. It's his baptism and the start of his ministry. So this is so unique. We've 12 years before that, the birth of Jesus, then nothing. This story and nothing for 18 years. And then the baptism and the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. So that makes it pretty important, I think. One commentator describes this text as a momentary glimpse through a curtain into a private room. Have you ever walked around your neighborhood or subdivision or somewhere, and you don't even mean to do it, but without meaning to, you kind of glimpse, just glance into the living room of the house you're passing by? And maybe kids are playing or fighting or watching TV, Maybe there's a couple, maybe the parents are arguing, there's a fight going on. And it's so easy to judge that situation because you don't have the full story. Maybe this is the first time ever that couple have had a fight or an argument. Or maybe it happens every day. You don't know because you only have this little glimpse of the situation. It wasn't the full story. In this text, there are a few facts that we know. Jesus and his parents were traveling from Nazareth to Jerusalem. Now, it's not any way as long as St. Louis to Chicago. This is a 65-mile trip. However, no buses, no trains, no cars, not even roller skates. I mean, that's it, a 65 mile trip would be probably a four-day journey, maybe a five-day journey to get there. They were going there for Passover. And of course, for Jewish people, they needed to attend. It was really something they would always do, attend Passover. There were three main festivals, as I'm sure you know, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. So they're going there for the Passover. And it normally lasts eight days. So this is like four days to get there an eight-day festival, four days home again, four or five days home again. This is a whole two-week thing going on here. 
Now, it was normal for extended families and friends to travel in a caravan. So you'd have a whole group of people, friends, family, probably like a church picnic. You know, you got your cousins, you got all these people, but they're all together on this trip. So it wasn't so unusual that Jesus wasn't right beside his parents. He would have been somewhere in this whole caravan or group of people. But having said that, It still seems that three days was a long time to go without finding their son and not noticing he was missing for 24 hours must have been really difficult for them. I cannot imagine how the parents were feeling. Have you ever lost your son or your daughter in a supermarket or some situation. I can still think, our son is now 26, but I still remember being in a supermarket somewhere where suddenly I'm thinking, where's Sam? Where, where has he gone? And I think he's with Ivan and Ivan thinks he's with me. And suddenly that panic sets in, that feeling of panic. Oh, what's happened? Someone's taken our child. We're terrible parents. And you're really panicking and you're full of anxiety. And even though that only lasted five minutes, it felt like an eternity. So how were the parents of Jesus feeling for three days anxiously searching for their son? When Mary, in this text, when Mary said to Jesus, we have been anxiously searching for you, the Greek verb that she uses there is odunao, which means to cause or suffer torment or acute pain, both physical and mental. And so she's saying, you caused us this pain. We've been searching for you. And then she says, why have you done this to us? Why have you treated us like this? And different translations of the scriptures use those two questions. Why have you done this to us? Or why have you treated us like this? And they're both saying the same thing. And normally we would expect a child to say, I'm so sorry and I just wasn't thinking and I didn't mean to or something like that. But Jesus' response was not what she and Joseph were expecting. He says, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Or another translation, didn't you know I would be about my father's business? These actually are the first words we ever hear Jesus say. Isn't that interesting? You know, when we think of the scriptures, the first thing he says that we have recorded in our scriptures, of course, it's not the first time he spoke, but the first words that we hear him say are, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? And here is something very interesting. These are the first words we have of Jesus. What is he telling us? That he is, in fact, the son of God. He says, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? At 12 years old, he was aware that he was the son of God. But this is also interesting because Mary has just said, your father and I have been searching for you. And so from Mary's perspective, she is acknowledging Joseph as the father of Jesus. And obviously, for 12 years, Joseph has been in that role. I wonder how Joseph felt in that moment. He knew that he wasn't the biological father of Jesus. 
but he has followed the Lord's leading. He married Mary, and he has been in that role. And he hears his son basically say, you're not my father. God is. I'm sure he felt some kind of rejection in his heart at hearing that. And that's not what Jesus was saying. But just being human, he would have felt something like that. Being human, Mary said, why have you treated us like this? And so what we see is the humanity of Jesus through the eyes of Mary. He's her little son. And through the the words of Jesus, we hear the divinity of Jesus. God is my father. I was about my father's business. And although we all know that Mary understood right from early on in her pregnancy that she was going to bear a son and that her son would be the son of God, she had raised him, she'd fed him, she'd cared for him. She'd done everything for him as she would for any child. And I just wonder, could it be that for the last 11 years, for Mary and Joseph and Jesus, their life was simply ordinary? No more worshiping angels, no more shepherds coming or kings coming with gifts, no more angelic visions, no more prophecies, just getting on with normal life. I imagine Mary and Joseph, although they were still very aware that Jesus was the son of God, and probably every now and again, especially around his birthday, they would have been talking about those events that are recorded earlier in Luke chapter 2. But apart from that, I wonder if they were just trying to be a normal family for the last 11 years. And in light of that, Mary's question is what you would expect any parent to say. Why have you done this to us? Why have you treated us like this? Because Mary had a limited perspective. And we suffer from a limited perspective too. When Mary asked Jesus, why have you done this to us? She was seeing things from her own point of view. This was her son. He wasn't even a teenager yet who had caused so much grief, worry, and anxiety. She'd lost sight of the fact that he was, in fact, the son of God. And I don't blame her. I think I would have done the same thing. And don't we do that when we only have our own perspective, seeing things through our own limited lens? How often do we say or at least think, God, why have you done this to us? We're good people. We're just trying to live for you. And when Jesus says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? The text tells us, if you were to go back and read that, it tells us Mary and Joseph did not understand what he was saying to them. I think sometimes we are so caught up in our own emotional response, which is often controlled by our fears or our anger or our doubts, that we cannot understand what he is saying to us. And we lose sight of who he really is. Jesus, the son of God, the light of the world, the one who sacrificed his own life for you and for me.
The one who only did what he saw his father doing. Because that is true obedience. I think sometimes we feel that God has treated us badly or perhaps we haven't understood what he was doing and things have not worked out the way we thought they would. Have you ever had dreams and ideas of what you were going to do with your life or what it was going to be like and then something hits you or some circumstance comes or a storm comes could be a whole bunch of things a loss of a job the loss of a loved one any kind of broken relationship and you think god why have you done this to me because we only have our own limited perspective and sometimes it's because we misunderstand what he's saying to us just as mary and joseph didn't understand what jesus was saying to them and sometimes we're blaming God for something that he did not in fact cause in the first place. We have our own limited perspective and we don't understand. And that was the case here for Mary. Near the end of the text, and I think it's in verse 51, it tells us that Mary treasured all these things in her heart. She may not have understood all that was going on. She may not have understood what Jesus was saying or these circumstances. Not by a long shot, but she treasured them. And that is how we grow in our faith. Not by understanding everything. Not by judging the stuff we don't understand in our own lives or in the lives of others but by treasuring time spent in God's presence by treasuring the scriptures even when they don't seem to make sense to us and by treasuring each day as a gift from our good good father and i wonder what do you treasure in your heart and i've had to start asking myself that question If we were to read Matthew 6:19 to 21, here's a little synopsis. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's easy to say, it's hard to do. Is it wrong to have material possessions or costly things? I don't think so. But maybe a better question is not is it wrong to possess stuff, but does that stuff possess you? And that's where it becomes something that you're treasuring uh, in the wrong way. Remember Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What is the stuff that you truly treasure. If you were to eavesdrop into a conversation for more than 5 minutes, maybe in a restaurant or somewhere else, church picnic. If you were to listen for long enough, you hear what's in somebody's heart because what we treasure is what comes out of our mouths. 
And it's so interesting that sometimes we're not aware of it. Other people can be more aware of it than us. And again, that's also the problem there is it's so easy for us to judge other people when really it's up to us to search our own hearts to see what is it we really treasure. Do we treasure the words of Jesus even when we don't understand? Like Mary, why have you treated me like this? I have been in torment searching for you. Why would you do this to me? She didn't understand Jesus' response, but it says she treasured these events and she treasured these things. And it is interesting, if you were to go back to earlier in Luke chapter 2, after the birth of Jesus and the angels and the shepherds and the kings bringing gifts, I think it's in verse 19 in, in Luke 2, The same expression is there where it says, Mary treasured these things in her heart. That's used twice in Luke chapter 2, talking about Mary. She knew how to treasure the right stuff even when she didn't understand them. Anxiety, fear, doubt, all these things take a grip of our hearts when we allow other things to, to take a hold of us above God's word. Let's treasure his presence, even here this morning, as a gift. Let's treasure his words, even when they don't line up with our circumstances. But when we treasure those, those are the things that take a grip in our hearts over all the other secondary stuff. Mary treasured the words of Jesus and kept them in her heart. And that's the way that you discard all the other clutter that tries to get in and and take a grip of you, including stuff like fear. At the end of this text, verse 52, the text tells us Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. And the more I read the scripture, the more I think, you know, Maybe Jesus didn't use a lot of wisdom at 12 years old when he chose to stay behind and kind of forgot to tell his parents. But he had to grow in wisdom too. I think that's interesting. He wasn't sinning. He's without sin. But it tells us, and he grew in wisdom and stature after this event. It's interesting that that says, and Jesus grew in wisdom as if to say, He still had some growing in wisdom to do. And I find that encouraging because none of us are there yet. We're still on this journey. And sometimes we let anxiety and fear and doubt take a hold of us. But if we are, if we are going to treasure his words, if we commit ourselves to treasuring his words and his presence, as we continue on this journey, those things have less of a grip over us because God's word becomes our treasure. So will you please pray with me as we finish? Lord, I pray that you would search us and know our hearts. Shape us, Lord. Mold us. Fill us with your spirit. Write your law on our hearts that we might love you and treasure your words and your presence above all else. Father, I ask even right now in this 
In this next minute, Lord, we just pause and ask you to search our hearts. Show us, Lord, if there are things in there that we are treasuring or holding on to so tightly that we are not open-armed towards you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would search our hearts. So We don't want that stuff. We want you to search us and know us. Lord, I ask even in this moment that we would hear from you, Lord.